Heading into the 2023 season, the Orioles outfield might be its most stable position group. But today we're going to talk about can anyone from the outside infiltrate the current five and how big a part could this outfield play in the Orioles potentially getting to the postseason? That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And today we are joined by a special guest making his first appearance here on the Locked On Orioles podcast is a fellow Orioles podcaster, the co-host of Section 336. That is Josh Sroka. And Josh, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. It's just so exciting that everyone's down in Sarasota now, and we finally get to talk real baseball. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited because today, you know, as people listen to this, is workout number one. Full workout. Everybody's going to be there. And although the game yeah. won't be televised anywhere, thank you, um, John Angelos, four days away from the the first spring training game as well. So things move quickly. And I think another thing we're going to get into today, which is going to make spring training this year even weirder, is that the Orioles are going to lose two of their outfielders in Santander and Mullins to the World Baseball Classic. And so I think that event has almost kind of sped up how quickly things are, are going spring training wise. Yeah, except I also like it because it means other guys are going to get a chance to really – we talked a lot during the season last year about if did Stowers get a fair shot. He's going to get plenty of time this spring. So it'll be exciting to see some of that stuff. And at the same time, watch – we won't get to watch Orioles, but we get to watch this World Baseball Classic, which I can kind of get into. Yeah, and, and we're going to have three, you know, legit O's big leaguers with Dean Kramer in there as well, three Orioles minor leaguers also. But but let's get into the outfield. This is starting our positional preview series for the 2023 season for the O's. And, and we're starting with the outfield because, as I said at the top, it's pretty stable. And I, I think across the board, most Orioles fans would predict five outfielders to be on the opening day roster. They would predict Santander, Mullins, Hayes, Stowers, and McKenna. And I think pretty much everybody across the board knows that, hey, you know, maybe – Vavra or Frazier will play a, a little bit of outfield, but but these are are your five guys. And so that's where I wanted to to ask first, just to start this, as we kind of look through the group, as you think through who those 26 players will be, if everybody's healthy, do you see those being the, the five outfielders that make this team? Yeah, it makes sense to go with what worked for the second half of last year. I think there's some que- there's obviously question marks that we're gonna have to get to, like Santander, how many games does he play because he's obviously at the top of the list of trade candidates for this season uh and then there's Hayes can Hayes improve after last season or is one of these young guys going to make the case that Hayes is not the guy yeah it, it, it's going to be interesting too because we'll get into it as well like could Hayes find himself in a platoon at some point you know if we see second half Hayes from last year is he on his way out by the, by the end of this right. season I mean that that's certainly a, a possibility there was a little murmurs about that, that that obviously died down and the Orioles, you know, showed their their commitment to Hayes, at least for now. But but those are the five guys I mentioned. Everybody feels like they're going to be on the team. The other options in camp that the O's are at least going to get a look at. Nomar Mazzara is the one kind of first base outfield DH guy who's primarily an outfielder that they have in camp. I, I feel like at this point, 
Franchi Cordero is probably a first baseman. You, you really don't want to put a guy like that in the outfield. Now the O's will probably do it in spring training just to make sure he hasn't made any incredible strides. They've also got Daz Cameron out there, a, a center fielder who has put up some great minor league numbers, was a great prospect, has never really worked out in the big leagues, but Michael Elias helped draft him, so that's that's a big reason why he's here. And then, of course, Colton Kowser is going to be there, and I, I actually wanted to get there briefly because nobody thinks Colton Kowser is going to be on the opening day roster, but I, I was wondering you know, what, what your level of interest is in just kind of getting a look at him against some major league pitching in spring training. I'd love to see it. Again, it goes back to that whole Masson thing, and we won't get to really see it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's good because he's not going to be an opening day, but he's one of those guys that could force his way up really fast, and we could be looking at June. Colton's up here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because he could do a lot to get himself to the big leagues, and I, I almost wonder how much he would have to do because in a perfect world, you'd say, oh, well, he could just replace Ryan McKenna whenever he gets hot. But replacing Ryan McKenna, you know, you still would have to leap over Hayes and, and Stowers to really get yourself in the lineup. I if if Hayes and Stowers are playing well, I don't know if the O's promote Kowser just to, to have him take McKenna's spot. So that's going to be interesting. I think just a, a a big picture question though, and I, I I'm going to answer this too. But among the Orioles outfield, like who who intrigues you the most in, in 2023? Which of these outfielders are you most excited to see get back on the field, whether it's a, a question about them moving forward or just in general seeing them back out there? I As long as he is with the big league squad, I will always be intrigued by McKenna because he's got the speed to cover center field. And that's a huge need for the Orioles right now because left field is basically takes a center fielder to cover. So we know we got Hayes and Mullins that can do it, but we also know we have McKenna. If McKenna could show a little discipline at the plate, Hayes would be in some trouble. Yeah, I think that's true because you look at the two of them. I mean, you got two right-handed hitters. You got McKenna who, when he's hit in the big leagues, which hasn't been a lot, it's always been against lefties. So if Hayes gets really bad, I mean, could it be a McKenna and Stowers platoon that we could see at, at some point in the outfield? I mean, it's not out of the question. Yeah, I just don't picture Stowers in that left field. That, that's that's fair, and that's, yeah. that's where I keep coming down to is who can play that left field. Mullins, Hayes, McKenna. I don't – when you brought up Colton, I'm not sure what, about his speed and range out there. Maybe, hopefully. But I think there's a – we always got to keep that new left field in mind. Yeah, and and one guy I'm, I think, most interested in is Santander. We're, we're going to get to him a little bit. Just what he does this year – is he moved to more of a DH role to open up the outfield more because he was okay last year defensively, but he really struggled, especially in left field, even in other stadiums. I mean, he, I don't think he played any left field at Camden Yards for good reason, but in other stadiums, he was just struggling out there. He, his body's getting bigger and he's getting a little slower because he's adding power. And and as you would expect, that's taken away from his defense a little bit. But Well, Hyde added to that today by saying he might play some first base as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, do they slip him in there? Is he the, you know, quote-unquote backup option to Ryan Mountcastle? And does that open up, you know, other spots for guys? And then also for Santander moving forward, like, what's his role with his team? You know, his contract is up after 2024. The Orioles have not shown yet that they're going to extend anyone on this team, and I don't think Santander would be number one, you know, contract extension they're trying to get out there. So I, I just wonder, you know, what would have to happen for him to stick around 
versus versus being traded. But we're going to get to in a second here, kind of what what the roles for some of these Orioles players are going to look like, what this outfield could look like. Will there be platoons? Will Santander be playing some first base? Will guys like maybe Vavra or even Frazier be out there a little bit? We'll get to that in just a second. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, well, you got to try a Built Bar because Built Bar is really the perfect snack for your New Year's resolution. Now, I know it's already February and we're getting close to March, but hey, there's some people out there still sticking to those resolutions, and Built Bar can help you because this is the first protein bar, at least that I've tasted, that actually tastes good. It really does taste just like a candy bar. All these bars covered in 100% real chocolate, real chocolate, and with great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. But here's the best part. You know, you eat a built Bar, tastes like a candy bar, but it's only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in every bar. And now you don't just have to order on built.com and wait for your bar to come in the mail. You can walk into your local Walmart or Sam's Club and head out with a box of built Bars. That's right. They are finally in stores as well. So you can still head to built.com, but you can also head to Sam's Club, head to Walmart, and walk out with some delicious and nutritious built Bars. So we're here previewing the Orioles outfield with Josh Roca of section 336. And Josh, let's talk about roles because I think one guy we don't have to talk about here is Cedric Mullins. He is going to be in center field. It is going to be his job. He may not play against lefties, which we can touch on a little bit, but he's going to be in there set in center field pretty much every day. Let's move over to right field. Let's start with Santander. How much do you think... He's out there this year. I think if he's on the team, he's going to be in the lineup pretty much every day. How much do you think he's out there versus, as you mentioned, playing first base or DHing this year? Well, clearly we're going to start with him out there. Um, And we have a crowded infield of guys that are going to want to take that DH spot. We've got, we've got some veterans that are going to want days off. I love using the DH spot as a day off. So we're going to see Santander there sometimes, Uh, but come on. We want to, probably trade him with since we have a lot of young talent like Colton coming up down the road. So it means showing him off in that in right field, showing that he you don't want to trade a guy who's just a DH. We don't want in that situation. He's not he's good. He's our biggest power hitter, but he's not good enough to be a straight DH all the time. So we're gonna have to show that off so we can get a good return for him. So I see him at least five games a week, five, six games a week, at least for the first three, four months. Yeah. One thing we do know, he's not playing left field uh, at the new Camden Yards. I think yes. uh, everybody everybody realizes that's going to happen. But let's move over to left field because there was some worry. I don't know how much you were worried at the end of the season about Austin Hayes, but I was really worried because he looked like an all-star in the first half and he collapsed in the second half of the season last year. I feel like he's built up more goodwill as the offseason's gone on. There was never any really murmurs about, you know, Austin Hayes, you know, the Orioles non-tendering in this offseason. That was not going to happen. What do you think his role is? Can he get back to an everyday player this year? It's funny. There's a, there was a lot of disappointment in Hayes at the end. But then you look at his stats for the year overall, and it's like, oh, he and Mullins were kind of neck and neck. They were about the same type of player. But, again... Everyone right now, as this rebuild is, Michael Elias likes to say the rebuild is finished. As the rebuild is finished, it means that there's every position has someone knocking on the door, which means just okay and getting by is not going to be good enough. 
So I think if Hayes had the best part is you want to have a lousy second half. So he's going into that offseason saying, I need to improve. If it was flip flop and he struggled and then he got it working in the second half, then he'd be like, oh, I figured it out. So the hope is that whatever was going on, maybe something was tweaked. Maybe it was wear and tear. Maybe it was just a long season that he can come out and be hot again for the first half this season and then find a way to stretch that. Yeah, I, I'm unsure. I think the O's will go with him early in the year. I think Brandon Hyde, you know, Hayes at this point is kind of one of the veterans on the team. I mean, he first got called up right. in 2017. There's not a lot of other Orioles. He's the only guy around who maybe played um, on that 2017 team. I know Santander was there briefly um, when he came in the Rule 5 Mar- draft. but And Mullins. Yeah, and, and and Cedric Mullins. But, you know, there's not a lot of guys there. So he's kind of considered a, you know, he was up when he was 20. But he's yeah. kind of considered a, a veteran at this point. So, yeah, yeah I, I see them giving him that role early because, as you mentioned earlier, which was a good point, they know he can patrol the new left field. Like, that's one thing they know he can do out there. And the Orioles are really valuing defense as they did all of last year. So I think they'll give him a shot. But if Hayes is struggling, that's really where I think it becomes interesting because I don't think there'd be a spot where, you know, the Orioles would DFA him anytime soon, but they could certainly knock his playing time kind of back down closer to what it was late in the year last year, where he was playing maybe four times a week instead of six or seven. If you're Brandon Hyde, what would you do in left field? If you're forced to, you know, only play Austin Hayes three or four days a week, cause he's just not cutting it every single day. Yeah, uh, it go back to the first segment where I was saying Ryan McKenna. Ryan McKenna is the most intriguing because I know he can handle that defensively. And I know the way this team is built is, yeah, we've got a decent lineup, but it's really focused on defense, especially when you have pitching that you don't aren't so sure about and young pitching, you need that defense. We saw Buck do that years ago where he built defense around young, unproven guys. They're going the, the same path. And for that, that means McKenna is your option out there defensively. But if Hayes struggles at the plate, but everyone else is hitting around him, you might even just leave Hayes out there because of the defense. Yeah. And and really the other thing about Hayes too is that's a good point because if if the lineup's clicking, you can hit Austin Hayes eighth and you know, maybe above Jorge Mateo and still feel good about that. But what I will say is the other thing that comes in with Austin Hayes is there's always the risk of injury because we know yes. he gets banged up a lot. I think I feel a little bit differently than you about Kyle Stowers. I think the Orioles, if there was, you know, just a haze point where he was struggling, I think we could see a Stowers haze platoon out there because I think we don't have quite a grasp yet on who Kyle Stowers is defensively, just because there was mixed reviews about him in, in the minors. And as everyone knows, he just didn't play enough last year at the big leagues for us to get a really good look at Stowers defensively. So I know you kind of feel like he maybe wouldn't patrol out there. So what what kind of role do you see him having? Because I think we both agree he's going to be on the opening day yeah. roster. So where do you see him fitting in? in? In right field. I see him as the Santander break. Give the older guy, the power guy, a break. Let him DH. Stowers is going to go out there. Whether it's the Sunday lineup or uh, midweek, I think Stowers gets out there a lot more. I think we see McKenna more and Stowers more than we did last year. Because I think last year we were kind of just playing with no process, no hopes. Like we played well, we played great, it was fun. We got it. we didn't plan on getting a winning record last year. Now we know we have to build on that. So I think you're gonna see Hayes and Santander out of the outfield a little bit more this year in order to for longevity and rest and keep Hayes healthy. 
Yeah, I think that could could be the move. Obviously, now in Camden Yards, right field is the easier defensive position. So if they are worried about Stowers at all, they'd put him out there in right field. I think we're both in agreement. Cedric Mullins is the leadoff hitter once again. I know, I know the numbers were a little bit down. Now, here's a question. You know, Mullins hit lefties very well in 2021. That kind of led to the success. He was, I mean, he was bad against left-handers last year. That is why Ryan McKenna played a lot of games out there. And even when Mullins did start against lefties, remember he would, Hyde would hit him like seventh or eighth, even if he started him against the lefty, or he'd sometimes sit him and then bring him in for McKenna once a right-hander came out of the bullpen. Would you start the year with that being kind of the plan? Where like, as soon as the O's see a lefty, let's say they, I don't even know the health of Chris Sale, but let's say they see Chris Sale in that first series in Boston. Do you think Mullen sits? Do you think he's down in the lineup or is he just there and and regular? I mean, that's going to all be dependent on what we see in Sarasota. Yeah. It's and true. the nice thing is that go back to that world baseball classic. We're going to get to see Mullins in some of these situations in live games. So it's going to be something we're interested to see on what he's doing. Also that first week, don't judge what they do that first week because they want everyone to get out on the field. Yeah. So yes, the first week they might do that and then they might not do it the rest of the month. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's it's another way to, to get McKenna out there. And it's something you know McKenna can do. Like he's been able to hit lefties even when he struggled elsewhere. I just th- think it could, you know, set a precedent. Maybe the Boston question wasn't it? Maybe like at the end of April, you know, the, the first week of May, are we seeing McKenna in that role? I think that could definitely be right. right. Give it some time. It's our for McKenna and for Mullins as this season rolls on. But we're gonna finish up the pod in just a second to talk about some some over-unders, some some storylines, some stats for these outfielders throughout the season. But first This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Now, the football season is over, and we're close to baseball, but right now, right at the midway point of the NBA season, just had All-Star Weekend, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And now listen, at this point, if you're betting on the NBA All-Star game, you know, that's uh, that's not something I've watched in a while. But I feel like if you just take the over in that game, that's probably the way to go. I think the winning team scored almost 200 points the other night. But FanDuel, they even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So we are here with Josh Roca of Section 336. We are talking about the Orioles outfield heading into 2023. And Josh, I, I sent you before we started recording here just a few, you know, over under predictions to try and make some predictions for some of these Orioles outfielders as the season goes on. Now, As we know, we're recording this in late February. We haven't even started spring training games. There could be injuries, whether they arise in Sarasota or during the season that kind of, you know, make these points moot that we're going to talk about. But let's start here with Cedric Mullins. We we had two things we wanted to talk about. The first thing that you brought up, which is a good point, is how do these bigger bases affect him? 35 steals last year. He leads the American League. Do you think he gets to 40 with the bigger bases? Oh, yeah, no no question. I think he gets 40, maybe 45. Um, the bigger base is it's three inches larger per base. So I haven't gone out there with a tape measure, but I figure that probably adds 
that, that shortens your length from base to base about six inches. I think that makes a big difference when we see a lot of times where you're out, it's you're out sliding in to second base and you get tagged. So if that base is now six inches closer, that's going to 50-50, you're, you're now on. So I think that number is going to go way up. And I think the other, I know you want to talk about home runs as well. And I think they go back and forth. I think they go, they go the same because the fact that he's going to be on the base more, uh, running more means you're going to want him to play small ball. You're not going to put him in situations where you're expecting the long ball out of him. Yeah. It was so interesting to see, you know, you get the, the 30, 30 season and then you get the kind of 15 Homer season. And we're kind of wondering where does Cedric Mullins fall in on the, the power meter. So the next question, you know, on the, on the 40 stolen bases, I'm going to, I'm going to say he gets there. I'm thinking he's going to be going to be in the low 40s. Um, they're going to give him every chance to steal. I think the Orioles have have shown that. On the home runs, do you think he can get to 20? Because I think if Mullins can sit right around 20 every year and get to you know the upper 30s of stolen bases, I mean that's like that's like a dream leadoff hitter right there. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he's. We saw where he is last year: 16, 15, 16 home runs a year. I think that's where he's at. Um. I think remember he was switch hitting and doing pretty well uh, two years ago. Get to get that thirty thirty. You now have the left field wall moved out, so he's not going to get many on that side, if any. And you've got him in a different role on this team. There's guys you're you're going to count on Mount Castle, Santander to hit those home runs. Even Austin Hayes had around the same number as Mullins last year. I think you're going to see other guys for that long ball. We got Adley now on this team, so you really are putting Cedric in a spot of just get on base. Don't worry about hitting the hitting clearing the fence. Yeah, I think he wasn't too far away from twenty at sixteen. I think he can get to twenty. I honestly think if I had to predict a number right now, I think right on the nose, twenty home runs um, could be the total for for Cedric Mullins this year. And I don't think it's a bad thing if he gets to twenty. And as we saw in twenty twenty one, like if he's going to hit thirty and still steal the thirty bases, I mean that's going to be amazing. But I don't know if that's the the you know the, the player he is. Moving forward, but I think, you know, as we've talked about, we all agree Cedric Mullen's going to be a, a huge part of this team. We, we talked about this a little bit um, already, but Kyle Stowers, you know, he was in a very abbreviated role. I, I asked you 81 and a half games started. So basically, does he pl- does he start more than half the games this year for the Orioles? Uh, that's a lot. What he uh, he got in. How many games did he get in last year? Yeah, last year, um, I have it right here. He was up for 48 games, but not okay. starting, and he only got 98 plate appearances. So he basically had two right. plate appearances per game. So he was basically uh, playing every other day by the time yeah. he got called up. All right. I don't I don't see him playing every other day. Again, this could all change with the trade situations and stuff, but he has to show something early. He has to show in spring. He needs to show – Every time he's given the opportunity up in Camden and because he's got Colton Kowser and other guys on his tail. So he's got a show because those guys are going to come up and push him. And I just I don't see him getting to 81 this year. Another one I brought up was Austin Hayes. And this isn't, you know, a number that's going to show everything about what kind of season he has. But can he just hit over 250 at I, like really the big prediction is can Austin Hayes stay healthy? That would be great. That would be number one. 
But if he does, like, can he hit over 250, which I kind of think can keep him at least near an everyday role for the Orioles? Yeah, I think he I think he improves. I think he bats 260 in the 260 range, 260s, uh, because that two he got 250 last year, and that's with that horrible second half. So if he doesn't have that horrible half, he's way higher. So I have no no doubt in Dawson Hayes that he can build on that. I think he will hit over. I don't even think it necessarily needs to be that he plays every day. I think maybe he plays a little bit less and maybe the stats go up a little bit. Maybe less pressure on him to be an everyday player and he can hit that 260, 270 yes. mark and, and maybe hit those 20 home runs and play good defense in left field. And I think that's what the Orioles need out of him, even if he's not an everyday player. I guess we'll finish with Ryan McKenna because, you know, you've you talked about him a lot in this episode. And I think McKenna's situation is so interesting because, you know, we talked about it before with Colton Kowser potentially getting called up. Well, if he gets called up, I don't necessarily see it being straight up replacing Ryan McKenna because they would play different roles. If the O's are going to call up McKenna or to call up Kowser, I should say, it's going to be to to play him more often than McKenna does. It's not going to be to be a fifth outfielder and a right. defensive replacement. So I, I put down August 2nd as the date because that is the trade deadline. Is Ryan McKenna still an Oriole after that trade deadline, August 2nd? I think so because I think McKenna's that bench. I think McKenna's your perfect extra outfielder, late in and defensive guy, speed on the bases. So I love, I love McKenna there. So I think McKenna stays with this team the whole season. I don't know if he ever becomes an everyday player. But, I mean, Ryan Flaherty had a great long career with the Orioles without ever being an everyday player. And I think McKenna could do the same thing in this outfield. Yeah, it's it's nice to have that guy who you, you know him. He's been in your system for a while. You know he can play all three defensive positions in the outfield. You know he can run the bases. And does he give you more than that? Sometimes he doesn't. But sometimes he can, and he can hit lefties a little bit, which the Orioles struggled with last year, so that's good. I guess the last one I'll throw at you is we already kind of established you know who the five outfielders are on the opening day roster. Those those other guys who can play the outfield, the the Daz Camerons, the Nomar Mazzaras, the Franchi Corderos, I don't think they're on the opening day roster. Do you think any of those guys make any sort of appearance in Baltimore this year? No. No, I see no reason. <laughs> I can't. If those people are up and playing for Baltimore, we have bigger issues. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair way to, to put it because unless it's like Daz Cameron for a week because Ryan McKenna has some sort of quick injury. All right. It's it's probably something bad. Like yes. if Franchi Cordero's getting big at bats, we've got some serious injury issues um on this team. But I, I think as we said, Josh, you know, this is this is a solid group right now that the Orioles have. And it'll be interesting to see how Colton Kowser can potentially try to break into this group because really it's kind of set with these five guys and they want to get Kyle Stowers more of a look and they want to make sure they know what they have with Ryan McKenna. So as we finish up, it it just feels like talking about the outfield, it's like we can kind of set that right now. And unless there's injuries, you almost don't have to worry about it as much. Like you kind of know what you're going to get from maybe not all five of these guys, but this group as a whole, you kind of know what you're going to get, which is always good. Yeah. That's kind of what's odd about the entire roster is we kind of look and know what we know, what we've got. We kind of can pencil in guys in every position and then we're kind of like, let's just roll with it and see, see what happens. I think it's why we felt so strongly as fans, like, just give me a big move this offseason because I'm confident with all these other parts. I'm, I feel okay about the outfield. I'm not – I mean, sure, Trout, give me Trout, put him in the outfield, I'll take him. But otherwise, these guys are fine. They, they can do the job. 
and 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 that we hope they will this season. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Just want to give you a chance to to plug your show. I know you guys got some merchandise as well. If people want to check that out, yeah, uh, yeah, check out Section Three Thirty Six uh, podcasts every week. Me and my brother. Uh, this is our eleventh season covering the Orioles. So check that out and check out Birdland Sports, which is my new venture this year, where I've been making some pretty cool uh, Orioles related shirts. So check that out as well. Yeah, sweet. I saw Felix Bautista uh, was yes. rocking one as well. That, that was a fun picture to get. Yeah, that was awesome. So uh, that was Josh Roca. I'm Connor Newcomb. We thank you so much for listening and watching as we talk about uh, the Orioles outfield heading into 2023. I'll be back tomorrow on the pod as we continue to cover all things from spring training, talking about kind of the big news and notes we get as the entire Orioles roster comes to Sarasota for the first full squad workout on Tuesday. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.